Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Zinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hey, everyone. We are so happy to welcome Jess Watterson. Jess, thank you so much for making time to talk with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we're very happy too, and we're so pleased. You're one of our newest faculty members, and we're so happy to welcome you. And we can't wait for you to have all your meetings this month and talk to all these lovely writers. But why don't you tell us how you got started in publishing and how you knew you wanted to work in publishing? Everybody in publishing has this kind of similar origin story in that I grew up and I, you know, was a voracious reader when I was growing up. Like Nancy Drew was, you know, my main bay and I wanted to be Nancy Drew so much that I was, I dressed up as Nancy Drew for like four Halloween straight in elementary school. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And like, I was like, oh, I just really want, I want a friend named Bess and I want a friend named George and I just want to solve mysteries. And (laughs) so my origin story really translates back to Nancy Drew, which then kind of opened up the doors for me to realize, oh my gosh, there's all these things. And so, you know, throughout middle school and high school, I just, I really loved books. And when I got into college, because I was poor, because college college job, you know, issues, you have a very crappy job and mm-hmm. <laughs> like next to no money. So I discovered ebooks and that was kind of at the time of the big indie boom when, you know, those indie authors were very undiscovered and uploading their books for, you know, like $1.99 and $2.99. And it was a very big, like, holy cow, like I can get these amazing books were not that expensive. So then I started a review blog. It was called Bend in the Binding. Please don't look it up. It's very old and very outdated. And I'm sure I do not sound, I sound very like fangirlish on some of the reviews. Um, Hopefully it's endearing and not like hair raising. Like you're like, Ooh, no. (laughs) No, I'm sure it's endearing. (laughs) Authors love to see agents loving things without that cynicism. So it was such a fun time and I got to like meet a whole bunch of authors in that space. So from there, I, you know, had, I was in my senior year of college. It was 2013 and I had this big crisis. Like, oh my gosh, I don't have a job lined up. I'm getting a degree in anthropology. What am I going to do with my life? I don't want to move to New York because I don't, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, no offense to New Yorkers out there, but I hate New York. Um, (laughs) What do you hate about it? Tell us more. (laughs) So I, and I understand public transportation is so good for our world, but I hate public transportation. Like I want to be in my own car, in my own space with my own AC and my own music and not near people I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I also, because I live up in the high desert in Southern California. So like you get up up here and you can just see for miles and miles like horizon mountains I don't like not being able to see like land you know it's there's just something so claustrophobic about being in you know being in all those skyscrapers and buildings I remember last year I was there for the last romance writers conference and oh. I had to take a train to books are magic in Brooklyn and I remember getting off the train in Brooklyn being like oh my god I can breathe again <laughs> Um, so, and that's in Brooklyn. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so I, all of a sudden was, you know, just kind of, I was, I remember this vividly because I was in my parents' kitchen 
just tearing through all these kind of internship listings and seeing, you know, if there was anything that I could do in publishing in Southern California. And it just so happened that I actually stumbled upon a different literary agency than the one I'm currently with. And I emailed them just kind of out of the blue. It was so nice. It was actually Jill Marsall who emailed me back and was like, well, we don't have any internships, but you should try SDLA. So when I emailed SDLA, they were like, well, we're actually looking for an intern right now. So submit all your stuff. And, you know, I submitted my, I submitted everything to get my internship. And at this time I was living in Orange County because I went to UC Irvine Mm -hmm. and Sandra Dykstra is in San Diego. So they were like, well, you live in Orange County. Like you would have to, like, we need somebody in the office. I was like, I will move. Like, I don't mind moving to San Diego. Like I will do that. So I had my interview. I showed up like an hour early because I was so nervous and I just like wanted it so badly. So I ended up getting the internship. And from there, because I had had that background in blogging and talking to authors already in this kind of indie romance sphere, my my boss recognized that and kind of put me on the fast track to agenting. So I became an assistant, a part-time assistant, and was allowed to start building my own list. I had super wonderful mentors and, you know, Tao, my colleagues Tao and Elise, and then obviously my boss, Sandy. And then from there, I just kind of leapt and haven't really surfaced. And I'm very thankful I don't have to go back at least yet to go get my PhD in anthropology. So I have a job for the rest of my life. <laughs> Oh, that, that is such a great story. And I, I love how you just kind of, you know, like used your passions and pushed it forward in such an interesting way. Can you tell us like, so everything that you've talked about has been a deep admiration for the West Coast and books. <laughs> so, so like, what do you do when you're not working? Tell us. So I, well, I don't live in San Diego anymore, but when I lived in San Diego, we would go, you know, to the beach and we would go hiking and I would volunteer at a local dog rescue, but I actually moved back up to my hometown, which is, it's up in the high desert. It's a lot cheaper because I can actually, you know, I was actually able to buy a house up here. So when I'm not working now, usually I'm doing DIY projects around the house because I was telling Jessica earlier, my house was from, my house was built in 1984 and it was never updated before I bought it. So there's a lot of just fun things to discover that. Bet. <laughs> you know, yeah, fun, what have you learned? Oh, you know that my, my lumber in my laundry room, we ripped out my cabinets in the laundry room over the weekend and there's water damage on the wall from the water heater the old water heater oh, it's and like so, one of those renovation shows <laughs> yes it's it's bad and so the whole we're, we're probably gonna have to replace the whole lumber so that means taking out the wall because the lumber is rotted the insulation is rotted so it's gonna be really fun when i'm not doing it's, it's just a revision But I mean, like, I like telling people to revise. I don't like doing the revisions my actual (laughs) self. Like, I always tell my authors, it's like, I have great ideas, but I have zero follow through, which is why I'm an agent. So I can tell people my ideas and make them do them for me. So I don't have to do that work. (laughs) I'm happy to give away my ideas. I don't want to do them. Yeah, it is so exciting when you can give an idea to an author and they just take it and run with it and come back with even more than you gave them. That is so gratifying. And it's so lovely to not have to be the one who comes up with the genius ways to do it. 
Yeah, like it's just, I admire authors and their creativity so much because you'll come up with an idea of how to like, you know, you know that's not to say that I don't like problem solving with my authors because obviously that's, you know, one of my favorite things. I love coming up with ideas, but you'll suggest something and they'll just take that and like kind of leap off and just go places that you wouldn't even even notice or like thought to know, which is why, you know, seeing the editorial relationship between editor and author is always so fun, especially when you have a really good match because they just play off of each other. And then you like kind of sit back and just watch this like magical transformation happen. It's so fun. So do you have any ideas about plot or story structure or how to make all of that work together? So <laughs> the the one thing I always talk about with, you know, story structure, and this is pretty universal, I would think, is that a lot of authors don't like to write off of a, like off of an outline. And that's fine. But one of the things that I always tell my authors to do is that when we're going through a big revision or something, I'm like, this just is this, there's, there's too much going on in here. We need to finesse the plot and the structure because obviously we know that a story has a beginning, middle, and end, but we also need to make sure that the portions of the beginning, middle, and end represent beginning, middle, and end. Hopefully that was not confusing and made sense, but I will have an author who has a full manuscript, I will say, okay, so I want you to go and sit down with your manuscript and I want you to take out the main plot line of every chapter. And by the time you're done, you will have about 30 sentences. Anything that is not helping the plot move along we need to look at and we need to tweak. It either needs to be cut or we need to make sure that we can form it to the actual plot of the book. So that way, you know, a writer can see their actual like narrative. And I don't know if you remember when you were like, you know, in grade school and how the paragraphs of an essay, they needed to have like a oh, point. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I always try to like illustrate to authors. That, like it needs to come down to a point. So that way, you know, by the time we hit resolution, everything is wrapped up because there's nothing readers hate more than like loose threads that were never tied up. I I actually taught this as well. And I think like the whole idea of like, it's like the perfect sandwich or the perfect, (laughs) the perfect hamburger, right? So it's like, if you didn't have the bottom of the bun, it would be hard to eat it. And and if you put something weird in there, it's not going to taste as good, you know? And I really, I really appreciate that you just gave our listeners just something really concrete. And I'd actually never thought of a single sentence per Mm -hmm. chapter. And then what else is in there? Like what? And and that's so much people, I think it really like been out of shape about like, I'm not taking this out, but like Mm -hmm. sometimes it just doesn't fit. Yeah. And it's, I think too, it's a different story when people like see it and then they can kind of see like, instead of it being a straight line, it's like, oh, this is veering off to the left. And oh, that is like a 90 degree angle that should not be in there. And, you know, it always takes like, cause you can say something to a writer until you're blue in the face, but you know, it's always different seeing it like for themselves. Like, I promise I'm not just telling you this because I'm power tripping. Like I want you to, <laughs> Like, and I always tell my authors that I'm like, I'm not going to make you change anything. Like, I'm not on some weird power trip where I like feel like I'm like the ruler of all. Like, that's not where I'm coming from. But my goal is to make you think about that, like, every sentence and every line really needs to add to the story. If it's not adding it to the story, why is it there? 
That's so funny, the idea of an agent on an editorial power trip, because like I, I'm <laughs> laughing because I think it's absurd, but I could see how someone would think that we'd be like, oh, yeah, just do that because it amuses me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, trust me, I'm not trying to make more work for myself. Like, I really just like, this is why I, you know, and obviously I try to give reasoning and my, our sole purpose as an agent is to get the book to a point where an editor sees the potential of what the story could be. It's not, you know, I'm not somebody who's just going to make a person edit to edit like it's not you know it's not my favorite thing to do I'm assuming but some people love editing so please don't misunderstand me if you are a lover of editing like more power to you I admire you I am not (laughs) when I write pitch letters sometimes I'm like oh I don't want to read this again because I just don't want (laughs) to don't want to edit myself anymore (laughs) well I think it's so different depending on just the particular energy that you have with each author too like Julie before you came on this morning um, I was telling Jess about how this morning I was standing in the kitchen with my mom with a printed out pitch letter and we're like does this work do you understand it because I've read the book so many times I don't know and the author and I had gone back and forth over text and like it was so gratifying to see her laugh in all the right places and everything but it's it's so funny because that was a project where like he'd write 50 pages and send it back and I'd be like oh my gosh this is so great and we'd get on the phone and giggle about what crazy thing could happen next and he'd write 50 more pages and we'd do it and like you can't do that with everybody I mean that's like a very special unusual Thing. I think for every single author, you have to find the vibe of like what way of giving feedback is going to work. Like for my science, I tend to love to work with um, scientists who write fiction. So I like to give them quantitative, like cut this element by 15%. But it's it's kind of like trying. It's like, try it this way, you know, de-emphasize that doesn't work. Put more emphasis on this other thing doesn't work. How about 15%? Got it. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's just finding that way between the two of you to communicate what you mean. And that's something that I think agents are always scanning for is like how to communicate this concept that can be very slippery so that you both have the same vision in your head and work toward that vision on the page. So I'm kind of wondering when you guys talk about this, we have, we have a lot of questions, I think more on our Facebook page where people actually say, you know, I did a revise and resubmit, but then they revise and resubmit and then they miss the mark. Yeah. So like, what is your advice when someone goes through that process? That's a hard one because I truly don't do revise and resubmits unless I'm like a hundred percent like certain that I want to bring the author on. Mm -hmm. But I also, it's also when I give like kind of high level edits to somebody for a revise and resubmit and that I just want to see how they take my feedback and implement it because like Jessica was saying earlier, like you have to have that kind of connection and be on that same wavelength where, you know, we can give advice and you take it and you kind of like our visions mesh, if that makes sense. Maybe I'm like off the mark with that one, Jessica, what do you think? No, I mean, you have to be able to almost telepathically communicate about something that doesn't really have words. It's like, like, Hey, here's this vibe. You got that vibe too. Okay, great. Let's, let's see when you write it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, and I never send out a revise and resubmit with, 
the intention of like passing on it. It's really an element of like, I just want to see how you take my feedback in the hopes that, you know, like, cause I, like I will do them when they need, like when the manuscript needs a lot of work. So that's usually when I implement my R&Rs, but I will say I do them a lot less frequently now because they are a lot of work on my part too. (laughs) I don't really like them. I feel like I'm either going to give an author a ton of feedback and they can take it if they want it or not take it, but it's not like send it back to me. It's like, if this is useful to you and you get similar feedback, maybe try this. And I'm going to do that with this week with a book that I thought was fantastic. I mean, the writing was so good from a college student, but I was expecting it'd be kind of like super justified, like vigilante character. And it turned into more of a standard, like new adult romance. And I was like, what, why did this happen? Cause like the first chapter, it goes into this great direction. And then after that, it like changes so much. And so, but I'm absolutely going to be like, Hey, here's another direction you can go that I think would totally work, but not with an obligation because you know, that for all I know, she has no interest in writing that book. And then on the other hand, you know, I took on a project recently that needed a lot of work, but I was like, this is so good. I'm willing to take the risk that he doesn't see it this way because frankly, if I don't, he's going to get a million other offers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then like the edit, I mean, he blew me away. He added so much and he made all these changes and like, it was so much better than I ever imagined. And like, sometimes you get lucky like that. Yeah. And I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of agenting is chance. Like we're never guaranteed a sale. We're never guaranteed that a book is going to do well. And I think a lot of authors, like rightfully so, they forget that because like they're in their own hustle and publishing these days, I feel like maybe not so much now because I feel like there's a lot more attention to being called to it, but I hate the term gatekeepers. Like I really do. I understand why the term exists, but I'm not going out there to potentially ruin somebody's day by giving them, you know, a pass on a project, but we're also playing a game of chance too. Like it's, it's all a game of chance, unfortunately, because it depends on the ultimate, you know, end result, which is the reader. (laughs) Yeah. And that's also part of why we aren't able to give feedback to everyone. I think I try to give feedback in the places because of limited time in the places where I feel like I might be the only one who sees the way forward. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you these ideas and let you know that at least I see the potential there, Mm -hmm. but I can't do that um, for every book. And so in the ones where to me, the answer seems more obvious and it's more likely that someone else will have that answer for the author, or, you know, it's an easier fix, or I'm not sure about those edits, then I'm less likely to do it. I think it's like one of those things where like in life and in work, it usually makes sense to do the thing only you can do first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So interesting. So Jessica, tell us something that you changed your mind about in your time in the industry. Hmm. Well, the biggest one I think, and I won't name names, but I think the biggest one is that authors that I once admire, and this goes back to don't meet your, like, don't meet your idols. The authors that I once thought were super amazing are not. (laughs) And my, you know, my good opinion once lost is lost forever. I think I just quoted that on Twitter the other day, so it's fresh in my mind. And then I think the other thing too is that I guess like the, and especially with like the changing times and just how tough it has been like in publishing all around lately. And I'm sure like, I don't know if you feel this too, Jessica, but like, it's just, I feel like it could have like it could have been status quo, like everything was normal, maybe even like 10 years ago. But I feel like week to week now, it just changes like the whole like, just 
institution changes. Like there's just something new happening and it's a lot of keeping up for a very archaic institution. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of keeping up and it's not like there's a great organizational system. Like there's not a publishing phone tree, Mm. (laughs) you know, Mm. like we've got publishers lunch, we've got publishers deluxe, we've got, you know, friends who tell us things, but the fact that it's like, you have to know somebody who knows this thing because they know someone who is there to get the information just seems frustrating and inefficient to me. But at the same time, it's also kind of nice because then it's like you have to have relationships. So then you get that pleasant social time out of necessity. Yeah, exactly. So I I mean, I try my best because I know like being in this business long enough, like you, like you get run down. Like, I mean, I totally relate to authors who are just burnt out by being told no, because I know you feel it too, Jessica. Like you get, you could get 10 no's on like five different projects in your inbox on one day. (laughs) It's not fun. (laughs) Especially the ones where you're like, you clearly misunderstood the book here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're (laughs) like, did you even read the pitch in the book? Like, I don't. Okay. Well, whatever. (laughs) You weren't the right person for it anyway. Right. I mean, in that case, of course, you don't, you know, want them to go back and read it again and change their mind because like, why? (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I don't, I shouldn't have to convince you. It's a good book. You should see it like off the bat. So that's always hard, but I'm trying to, I try not to become jaded. It's hard sometimes though. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah. It's absolutely hard. And I think it's really hard when you send out something that you know is fantastic and you're not getting the reaction from people that you want. And it's so weird when you get such conflicting stuff too. Like I've started making bar graphs of, I know this is, I'm sorry, I'm hurting out today, guys. So I've started making bar graphs of feedback. And so it's like, this person liked the voice, this person didn't like the voice in like different colors. So you can visually see that like, sometimes they're all over the map with their mm-hmm. feedback. And it doesn't mean that like, this person didn't like the writing. Okay, but four other people did. Yeah, and, like, It's so subjective. And I think it's so good to like, see it laid out like that. Because then you can be like, all right, visually, these folks are all over the map. There's not like one big bar that's like this particular thing is wrong. Yeah. It's it's just so subjective, and it's all it all comes down to personal taste. Honestly, like you can see it when you know, a, like when a head of a publishing house moves to a different publishing house, like you can see kind of like the the dominoes that fall because obviously their taste is going to follow them. Yeah, because they like their tastes. I mean, yeah, tastes evolve, but it's not like they're going to become a d- whole different per- person at a different publisher. Yeah, though it is interesting when someone makes a big genre switch in terms of imprint, and then you're like, okay, are they still going to like those elements within this new genre? Like, how do I? (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird industry. (laughs) Yeah, and again, like, there's no way to know unless you ask or you know someone who knows. I got, you'd think there'd be a phone tree. <laughs> It'd make life a lot easier, but like, that's okay, not going to happen. You know someone's going to ask you to start that. You know what? Oh, God, I know. <laughs> oh, no. Cut that part from the podcast. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it's like someone has an idea. They're like, Jessica, build it. <laughs> okay, so tell us about an aha moment when everything came together. So I represent this very high profile client. And we had been on sale for over a year with a picture book idea. And it was just like not happening. And I was just like hitting my head against the wall because we had everything in this package. We had the celebrity endorsements. Like we had access to people that 
like you just wouldn't even like suspect and people that would make your jaw drop. And I was just like, I don't know what I am doing wrong with this. This is so frustrating. And I took a call with a lovely Melissa Edwards from Stone Song, who oh. I 100% adore and forever. Like I owe her like a large bottle of fancy wine for this. But she was like, well, you're doing it wrong. You need to like pitch it as adult. Like there's no, don't do it children's. Like it needs to be adult. And sure shooting, I get on the phone with the editor <laughs> that I like, I have a really good relationship with at a really great publisher. And I pitched it to her just as like an idea of like, hey, do you think this would work? And she was like, do you have materials? I'm taking to my publisher right now. Wow. And I was like, wait, are you serious? And she was like, yeah, we need this book. Like, we're going to crash it. It's going to come out in November. I need this book. Wow. <laughs> it was like, literally, like, the time between I had that phone call with Melissa, I think I had the phone call with Melissa on maybe like a Monday or a Tuesday. And by that Friday, we had like the like ball rolling on a deal. And oh the my book gosh, is, that's wonderful. Yeah. And the book is coming out November 17th. That was the one Ooh. that I tweeted about. That was like my most popular tweet ever about me getting belligerently <laughs> drunk because it was just like, I, I literally like, it was the biggest win because I have worked so hard for these clients. I love these clients so much. And for them to finally have this happen is just like the most gratifying and aha thing like ever. And it was all due to just, it was the wrong genre. Like it was the wrong age range and it was the wrong genre. And it literally was so easy after I just finally had it like beaten over my head. Like, dude, you're in the wrong genre. Like sell it over here. (laughs) But that's so interesting because I feel like so much at the Manuscript Academy, we talk about how sometimes it's this tiniest of pivot. And Mm -hmm. I haven't actually heard that on on the agent side, you know, mm-hmm. like we talk about how if you change your opening line, it could change everything. Or if you change your genre, it could change everything. And mm-hmm. and it's so interesting that you guys go through that too, you know, that we all have to be really broad, broad thinkers to be successful in a world where there's so much information. Sometimes it's hard to see the right direction. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, it's hard because I know that we're looked at as the people who like have it all together and we know everything. But honestly, like, you know, again, like the industry moves so fast and everything is changing so fast that we're still learning things every day. Like I, you know, I I wish I knew everything because if I knew everything, then, you know, I would probably have like the next freaking Twilight on my hands and have an (laughs) author who, like could write the same book from three different points of view and have people like, I mean, I bought the book for, (laughs) I bought Midnight Sun. So I wish I could have that author. And if I knew everything, I I would have that author. (laughs) Yeah. I wish that like I could have a power for a day where like all the stuff that would sell and be successful in my inbox would just kind of (laughs) sparkle or glow. That'd be so nice. But yeah, I mean, it's almost like, I mean, I don't think there's a single person in the industry who knows everything because kind of like, I don't think there's a person in the world who knows everything just because it all depends on your perspective and what's happening and how, um, you know, what you do know interacts. And it's just, it's just so interesting because of the way everything moving that way. But going back to like us having to make tiny pivots. Yeah. I mean, a lot of what writers go through pitching, we go through too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's our, like, our process is really not different than acquiring writers. The only difference is, is that our pool of fish is a lot smaller and we know them or we should know them a lot better. That's like, you know, kind of the benefit of us is that we know people and that we're like, 
not, and this is like, I'm not trying to like minimize what we do, but we're glorified matchmakers. Like, well, that's like the hope is that, you know, we will make a beautiful union between editor, author, and publisher, and that a very happy marriage will come from that. And sometimes it does not happen, but that's the goal. <laughs> and it's a nice goal. You know, it we're is. not out to break hearts or make people do edits for fun. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Like, trust me, I don't want you to do edits just to do edits. It's not my favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's in our huge amounts of spare time, we control things editorially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like I totally, you know, I have so much time when I have like, you know, a rotting laundry room wall that needs to come down. And <laughs> real life. <laughs> real life. It's real fun. <laughs> this is one of my favorite questions. And I feel like Jessica, you're super interesting. So I'm like, excited to see what you're going to say. So if you were a superhero, what power would you have? Oh, shoot. Okay. I would not be psychic because that would be just like horrible. I would not want to listen to people's thoughts. I feel like, (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I would want to breathe underwater because I just think that's really cool. (laughs) Probably not as exciting as what people would think, but Yeah, I think because I'm afraid of heights, so I wouldn't want to fly or super speed. I think that would be another one, too, that I would like. Like drive at super speed or like? Like be the flash. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think that would be what I would want to do or like be able to breathe underwater, but not flying. I'm I'm so scared of heights. I would not want to be, I would not want to be blessed with the gift of flight. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even like it in a plane. So what's something you wish writers knew about things on our side of the desk? And I mean, this is like, I feel like we talk about this a lot with people, but I mean, it, it gets like, it's really hard because I, in an ideal world where I had endless amounts of time and I was not worried about getting paid every month because we make money on commission, I would be able to give feedback to everybody in my inbox. But I just, I, unfortunately, the reality is, is that I work more than eight hours a day usually because I work into the, you know, late nights and sometimes I work on weekends and I still want to have, you know, a family life and a social life and be able to fix up my house because eventually one day we will sell it. And to be able to sell it, we have to have that heater replaced and also a, you know, functioning laundry room. So, you know, the fact that we're not giving you feedback isn't you know, something that we're doing because it's like, ha ha ha, like, you know, you're like plebes of writers. We're never going to do that. Like it's, it's truly just, we are, I'm I'm one person. Like I unfortunately cannot do it all. (laughs) I mean, I wish I could do it all. I do. (laughs) Oh, maybe that would be my superpower then. (laughs) Yeah. Freezing time, getting back to everybody. Yes. Yes. Man, what I would do with infinite time, that would be That'd be lovely. Well, I do find it really interesting, the more we do these, how the pressure you guys are on to be everything to everyone and, and, and and just to have the eyes on you all the time, right? That it's just, it's like if you're at a writing conference, everyone knows who you are. They're all trying to get at you. And you guys are all just trying to be nice and be a good person. And I feel like that just like, the levels of that must be really kind of hard at times. You know, I will say that my favorite conferences that I go to sometimes are ones where I don't really represent what like the conference is about because writers will just sit down and like talk to me during pitches. And that's like, there's no pressure. Like I'm like so happy to answer questions and like have an actual conversation with somebody because like there is that pressure and there's expectations that are placed on us and not that they're bad expectations, but like you just mentioned, Julie, like we are expected to be kind of everything. And, (laughs) 
yeah, like, I mean, as much as I wish I had superpowers, I I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us a story of a great pitch or critique session you've had? Yes. So I had an amazing critique session. Let's see here. Was it two years ago? I was in San Diego, actually, at a writer's workshop. And I had this wonderful author sit down in front of me and she started telling me about her story. And she, it was a story about this girl who she, we don't know if she's undocumented or not, but she also helped smuggle undocumented immigrants into the country from um, her home country of Venezuela because of everything happening in Venezuela. And I was just like so blown. And I'm obviously doing a very bad pitch of it right now because I still haven't had my second cup of coffee. Um, And it's early. Well, it's not early here anymore, but I feel like it is. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I didn't sleep in this morning. I went to the farmer's market. So I promise I didn't get my usual eight hours of sleep. But she actually like, I mean, the pitch like it's always very scary because when you get a pitch, like, and somebody tells you a pitch, they can be the best pitcher in the world. And you can be like, Holy crap. That sounds amazing. And then you get the writing and you're like, Oh, okay. So I see the execution just didn't live up to what I was hoping for it to be, but this book is just so wonderful. So I actually ended up signing her and we've been on sale with the project, but that's just one of like, that's, that's kind of one of the rare times that I've actually had somebody pitch to me in person that I actually signed. And it's just this beautiful book about being, it's like, it's feminist, but it's also standing up for what we as a country, our leadership and how they view undocumented immigrants. And I am very passionate about that. And it's also told from kind of an own voices perspective too, which is really important. Yeah, absolutely. It's also amazing when the way someone describes something in person is the same as it is on the page because it very rarely is. And speaking and writing are often two very separate skills. Yes. Like you can, like, I mean, there's speech writers who are not good speakers, just like there are speakers who are not good speech writers. So that's also the same thing when it comes to actual writers. Like you could be a great pitcher. Like I'm a great pitcher when I'm like, you know, on the ball and I'm not, (laughs) I'm not like half brain dead, but like, I wouldn't, I I mean, I'm a halfway decent writer, but again, like, I don't like writing. Like, it's not my favorite thing in the world. Just like writing a query and writing your first page are two very different skills. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they actually are. Yeah. So can we we do one more question? Yeah, of course. So what's your number one tip for writers? My number one tip for writers, I would just say, well, I think it's kind of twofold. One is patience. Like you, like, it's one thing to be like excited and everything, but patience is like such an important part of this industry. And it's important for my part too. And Jessica's part, cause we have to sit on secrets all the time, but <sighs> you just have to have this belief that like, you know, if this is something you really want, like it's going to take hard work. It's going to take a little bit of luck and you have to have the patience to wait it out sometimes. And that's a huge thing. And then another, another thing is like, kindness goes a long way in this industry because I like, I mean, at the beginning of my origin story, I would not be here if it wasn't for the kindness of Jill at Marshall Lyon replying to my email. And I think a lot of people really forget that because these could become so entrenched and there's always like, you know, those like little politics that we play in, in publishing. And, but 
the major thing that I've always remembered, you know, in my time talking to editors, other agents, authors, is that they always remember two types of people, the ones that were super kind to them and the ones that were really terrible to them. And I'd rather be, (laughs) I'd rather be known as somebody who's super kind. (laughs) Yeah. And you never know if one email like that is going to send someone off in a great direction. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, because she sent that email, now you're representing authors who are also doing good in the world and then maybe helping other authors as well. And all of that happened because of one email. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I realized that was kind of like, very general advice. But, you know, when an author on an offer call asks me what an ideal client of mine is, and I all, my number one thing is I just want somebody who's kind because I can work with like neuroses and I can work with, you know, however you operate. I can't work with somebody who's mean. <laughs> yeah. And I get that a lot of the time it comes from a place of fear and frustration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That said, <laughs> let's all please try to work through those feelings and not take yes. it out on those around us. Yes. Also, if you're mean to me, you'll probably be mean to your editor, and then that editor will be mad at me. Exactly. And I want a healthy relationships with editors as well as my authors. So. I mean, my jobs are hard. I don't want to stress them out anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's hard, too, because sometimes, you know, agents will pitch editors as, like, the the enemy, which, you know, they represent the publisher and they represent the publisher's interest. And it can come, it can feel that way. But we also have to remember too, is like, they're not the hand of God. Like they, they're often doing what they're told to do too. So it's hard because when you get into really tough spaces, like it is very hard to remember because you're bringing in art and passion into a business. And sometimes when those two things do not coexist peacefully, it's just a really fun time for us. And this is on the fun with sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a time. Um, Yeah. So can you tell us like a fun or funny story of your time in the industry? Oh my gosh, a fun or funny time in the industry. So we, okay, so I have a couple and I mean, there's some that are professional and there's some that are not professional. I probably should stick with the professional ones. <laughs> but I remember it was my very first RWA conference. It was in New York. It was the first time I'd ever been to New York by myself. I was like such a baby agent. And, you know, this is when I was still terrified of traveling by myself and, you know, terrified of New York because I had gotten lost on the subway for two hours the very first time I went oh, to New no. York. Yeah, I was trying to go to Little Italy and I ended up in Coney Island, which oh, no. uh, two I very different places. I think that places. would happen though. <laughs> so, oh gosh, um, well at least you got to go to the beach. I mean, I saw the beach. I was still in the. I was still on the subways. <laughs> we finally, oh, no. we finally did get to Little Italy, and we had you know pasta, which was the whole goal. But we took a two-hour detour. <laughs> but I will just like never forget that. Like I, <laughs> I was talking with an editor who she's now at Marvel. Um, her name is Alana Cohen. She was at Gallery at the time, and she was talking to this like super sweet little lady, and I like was so excited to see her and person finally. So I was just kind of like off to the side waiting patiently. And she made on contact and she's like, Oh my gosh, Jessica, how are you? And then she like, you know, turns to the lady. And she's like, Oh, Jude, this is Jessica. Jessica, this is Jude Devereaux. And I just remember like my mouth like dropping because I was like, Holy crap. I'm like, like creeping on poor Jude Devereaux. Who's probably trying to have just like a private conversation with Alana Cohen. So I was like mortified and she could not have been more sweet. And I think the other funny times that anytime that, I don't know if you know who Christy Craig is, but she's, she's a very prolific romance author. And she also writes young adult too. But I, 
for some reason, am always at the same conference as her. Like (laughs) we went to New Zealand together without realizing we were both going to New Zealand together. So she has become my conference drinking buddy (laughs) with her very sweet husband. So anytime I'm with Christy, there is alcohol involved and it's usually in a place that is not our hometown because we apparently just like to travel and be booked to the same conferences together, even across the world. (laughs) That's nice though to have a friend at these so then you get like a little bit of familiarity while everything yes. else is so new. yes I adore her when I t- whenever I hear her like because she's from Texas I hear her like little southern twang I get oh. so excited I'm like Christy is here <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so nice you guys should start coordinating like if one of you gets invited be like yes if <laughs> <laughs> if Christy is invited I will be there <laughs> Oh, Oh, that's so nice. And it's nice, too. I was at this conference once that basically gave us the floor of a dormitory as, like, the faculty-like floor. And it was so much fun. We were running up and down the halls. We were jumping (laughs) on the beds. We we ordered, like, 10 pizzas. Oh, my God. That's amazing. It was, like, college revisited. Yeah, it absolutely was. That was – yeah, that was one of the most fun things. And um, there was even an illustrator there who, like, drew us jumping between the beds. Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) that's so awesome it was great that was a really fun conference memory I think that's the same conference where I dressed up as a inflatable (laughs) t-rex oh my goodness I those costumes are so hilarious to me I watched a video of one the other day I think it was like picking somebody was picking somebody up at the airport (laughs) but the person they were picking up at the airport also had a t-rex costume (laughs) because they were both trying to embarrass each other but they both came out in like t-rex costumes to meet each other I have to find the video and send it to you because it was hilarious. We'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) (laughs) I always do this like query, like advice more often than not because I find it really helpful. And it's kind of like, I don't know if I tech, if I invented this, like I, more than willing to take credit for it, but if I didn't, like that's fine. So, you know, in queries, like I, I understand query letters are so hard because, you know, pitching for us is also hard, but I always try to like break it down to make it super easy because apparently I like breaking things down, like with my whole synopsis out of, <laughs> out of every chapter. But so outside of your bio and your like little intro line, which, you know, could have like the, the title and the word count or whatever in your comps, your, your query should be about three paragraphs. And I always separated into the first paragraph needs to be the who. So we need to be introduced to, you know, your actual characters. The second paragraph needs to be the what, which is like, what is your main plot? And then the third paragraph needs to be the why, which is why should I keep reading, which is going to be the hook, which also segues into a perfect thing because I'm going to do a class on the hook and what the hook, a hook even is. I'm very excited about that punny name I came up with. (laughs) Oh no, it's adorable. And I love the concept. Do you want to tell us uh, the hook of your class about the hook? Yeah. So my hook about the class of the hook is to explain the hook and what the heck a hook is because editors and agents will always talk about, we need to see the hook. What is the hook? Well, let's figure out what it is. (laughs) Well, yes. And and in a brief sense, it's 
the thing that I, I gosh, I can't even think of like a, a high concept it's, way to talk about yeah, that. It's literally like what makes your manuscript and your book stand out from everything else. Like what is going to sell it to the casual reader and the casual bookseller, the casual book buyer, the librarian, what is different and what is like that main point that is going to make the reader go, Oh, I want to pick that up. And it's all about like, you know, just kind of taking those elements out of your story. But again, I won't get into it too deep because like, I want to save the goodies for the actual class. (laughs) Don't want to give away everything. (laughs) So that class will be Tuesday, September 22nd at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific. I'm so happy that we get to do this. So we'll put the link also in the show notes. And so what are you looking for in your inbox and how can people find you online and send you work? Yeah, so you can find me everywhere online. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Facebook is not so much a thing for me, but um, just be aware if you do follow me on Twitter, I do tipsy posts and I post a lot about my dogs. Um, Likewise with Instagram, it is just my dogs and books, but it's exciting. And if you like dogs, then please follow me and home renovation projects. (laughs) And I do use a query manager form. So my links are everywhere. It's on my Instagram, on my website, which is dextraagency.com and also my Twitter, which is twitter.com slash Jess Watterson. And I'm looking for really feminist, just forward thinking books that challenge stereotypes, challenge societal norms. And that could be really anything in like women's fiction, romance, YA contemporary, middle grade picture book. I'm all about it. Um, And I do do select pop culture books as well. That's a new development. Very cool. I love the idea of radical romance. It's so fun. Like, it's just, I mean, romance, if you think about it, is radical anyway. So, like, let's just go the extra mile. Yeah. What? (laughs) Something like quasi-magical is happening in this world? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, I do have that. It's called Crazy Cupid Love by Amanda Hager. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) I got it for you. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait for your class. And just, I hope everything goes okay with your renovation. (laughs) God, me too. (laughs) Thanks for having me. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. And not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.